the church is a force of uh, loving one another and loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's a force of putting Jesus's life on display through our actions so that the world knows that there's an alternative, a, a, a kingdom order alternative to the disorder of the world's ways in which it should go. Welcome to the Hub Podcast, a resource for house church leaders to foster and guide healthy house churches toward deep devotion, contagious community, and missional imagination. This is an extension of Common Ground Northeast Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Hub Podcast. We're excited to have you on this episode. My name is Sam Lanetti. I am the Formation Pastor at Common Ground Northeast in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Eric Thien, Lead Pastor at Common Ground Northeast and contributor to this podcast. <laughs> We've been having fun with this. I'm excited we decided to do this. Um, so if you haven't checked out our previous episodes, we've been marching through what is the church and maybe what the church is not and some of our experiences with that. Um, in this episode, we want to talk about specifically the purpose of the church, and we'll dive into a couple of things there. Uh, Eric, at the end of our last episode, you wanted to mention and um, talk a little bit about uh, why we gather on Sundays. And I know there's some nuances to that, but mm-hmm. um, here at Common Ground Northeast, we are a DNA of house churches where we really believe uh, doing life on life with one another in homes, in our communities has all the makings of the essence of church and uh, the priesthood of all believers. And and that's a full, a a more full expression. Yet we also still do gather on Sundays, which is uh, maybe a more experienced rhythm of church. I would say maybe in, um, in our context here. And so can you maybe uh, talk through and distinguish between those two and why we still gather on Sundays? Yeah. So the first distinction I would make is um, again, the church is a people, not a Sunday gathering. And so really what I'm answering here is, or maybe the question that I'm, that I'm addressing is why do we gather then? Like what's the purpose of gathering? And I could even see, you know, with all the critique that we have thrown out and analyzing all the different twists and turns of what a church is. We've kind of, you know, you can almost define it outside of it. It's this body of people. Um, and, and the gathering itself is minimized, the Sunday gathering or the coming together of the believers, ecclesia, um, is diminished by the definitions we have used. And so based on our definition of the church, does it even matter if I come on Sunday morning to a gathering? Um, and and it's, uh, it's actually, I would say it's not as easy as an obvious yes or no. I would actually say maybe, which may, I, I guess that could surprise you because if no one showed up and people stopped tithing, I don't have a job. Um, and, uh, and that, I mean, that is a possibility, I guess, uh, if, if we went in that, com- in that direction completely. But the idea is, um, I do think there's benefits to the Sunday gathering. And um, I'll talk about those. I just think the fullest expression, I, would, I wouldn't say... What other churches do on Sunday mornings is um, is bad. I just think the most biblical, the fullest form of expression of the church happens in house church. And 
um, at least if you want to base it off of what the scriptures describe and what, what is supposed to happen on a, on a, in a gathering of believers. But what I think, you know, in our, in, in a context we live in and we're contextualizing in a post-Christian world. And, and by that, I mean, um, you know, America, I, I would never say America was founded on, on Christian values. I, I think that's an overstatement. Deist values at best could be, you know, described with some loose scattering of, uh, of scripture. Um, but there was some sense wherein it was embraced, at least in a cultural level, uh, in a way that caused most people to go, whether they believed or not, uh, whether they actually thought value in the gathering of the believers or, or affiliated themselves with the church. It was also just synonymous with good people. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to maybe talk about there in terms of what that even meant. But in, the, in a post-Christian world where that is not true anymore. Um, I still think there is value to a house church network, a, a group of house churches, like we would consider our church coming together on a regular basis. Um, one of those is that there is uh, a unifying effect to that. And, um, essentially a corporate encouragement or energizing might be a better way effect that takes place when a house church comes together, can kind of look around in the building while we've got, you know, a hundred or more people in a room and say, oh, it's, I'm not alone here. It's not just us and our 12 to 16 people that meet on a regular basis. And you can get discouraged, I think, pretty easily if you think that the fullness of the church is just your group. Um, whereas I think that is true biblically, uh, there is some good effect to living, you know, when you've been trained by a, by a Christian, by Christendom in America, now we're in a post-Christendom world, You've been trained to feel like you need that um, that sense of excitement that takes place when everyone gets together. And it's fun, right? And so there is this energizing effect that I still think we need to lean on. I, I think it's similar to a, a reunion. Um, mm. Just like when you go to a family reunion and you realize, you know, our family is bigger than just my nuclear family, my brothers, sisters, mom and dad. We actually have aunts and uncles, people I've never even met before. Uh, and, and when you get that together, it's fun, right? You all share your foods. You talk about the history maybe of your family. I, we, I don't really, that's not a part of our family. We don't have lots of family reunions, but, um, or, or I have not participated. And maybe they're happening without me. <laughs> I was the guy not invited. But uh, <laughs> Sorry about you, uh, Eric, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but there's something about that, right? Getting together and having, a larger gathering together that is bigger than just your smaller components. And so I think it's just like a reunion, your movement, the church movement that you belong to, the network that you belong to as Common Ground Northeast is bigger than just your house church. And so there's a, a fun unifying effect that takes place, energizing um, that happens. I also think it's good to have a unified teaching. I, I don't want it to happen as a means of telling others they should not dig into the scriptures. They should not study the Bible for themselves. They should not, they should take, you know, the pastor's word for, for, um, uh, as if it is truth, we should never do that. We go back and, and double check me, double check pastor Jody, pastor Sam, as they, um, preach and all of our guests, right. I want you to be exercising that muscle, but there is something powerful about, uh, again, a hundred or so people, being commissioned out every week with the same verses and the same uh, charge, the same unified teaching and going out and, and accomplishing that together, that should have an effect on the community around us. And so I think those are two great reasons to gather on, uh, you know, in a Sunday morning, there's a plurality of perspectives, right? You can become mm -hmm. more 
uh, introverted in a house church context. Uh, and so having, you know, to know what, you know, what do you guys do when this situation arrives or when you walk into this, you know, uh, uh, circumstance that we hadn't walked through. And so you can ask and, and find out how others are, are dealing and working with those things. So I think there's really great reasons. And, and there is a rhythm of in the scriptures where there's they're meeting in houses and in the temple courts. Um, and so we just happen to do that on a weekly basis. We, we gather together as a large group on a regular weekly basis. And so those are the things I think are helpful about mm -hmm. the Sunday gathering and why I think they're useful. I, I opened up this by saying, uh, I, I kind of got off track a little bit, but one of the things I would say is, you know, is coming together essential on a, on a weekly basis? No. And I mentioned in one of the other podcasts that our, our house church network only gathered together in a large group once a month. And I actually think that was a decently healthy rhythm. But the question that I always challenge people is, um, are you doing it out of devotion or are, are you doing it out of some other reason? Do you not want to show up to a Sunday gathering because it's convenient? You just want to stay in your pajamas. Um, and even I would say maybe you're convicted that rest and Sabbath is my day. So I'm not coming. And that would be a devotion based decision. Uh, but, but, you know, we just, I get it. We're, we get lazy sometimes. And so the temptation would be not to show up, not because of devotion, uh, or because you're devoted to serving that Sunday. And so I can't be at the gathering because we're going to go down to Wheeler Mission and serve food. Again, that would be devotion. And so what I would say is, um, and what I would and then add, you know, uh, as a form of discipline, um, out of devotion, you could not come, but more likely than not. And if you're like me, I'm not as disciplined as some others. I kind of need it. I need to be able to meet with other believers on a regular basis on, a, on at least a weekly basis, if not more, um, to remind myself, like, was I in the scriptures this week? Did, have I been praying? Uh, and, um, to some extent, it may be essential for your discipleship under Jesus that you have to be in a weekly rhythm of gathering with the believers in addition to your house churches, um, because it is a built-in accountability and helps you to become more devoted to him. Yeah. There's a couple of thoughts that came up, um, that go inside right along with this and their personal experiences. Um, I remember when I was in college, I was working at this urban inner city camp and, um, we, we had our kind of our staff training for 11 days and it was like a group of 20 or 30 of us. It reminded me a lot of kind of a house church setting and, we encouraged one another. We worked together. We served on the campgrounds to get it ready for this inner city camp that was going to be taking place. We challenged one another with scripture, like worship together, essentially all the inner workings of what a house church would be in, in the per in perception that I have now. But before camp kicked off, we were one camp that were a part of two other camps. And then in the context of that camp, that was just our section. And there were actually about 11 other camps around the same lake, but kind of under the same leadership. Mm. And so before we kicked off our summer, uh, it was the huge celebration and all the camps gathered. So we went from 20 to 30 leaders, counselors here to over 3000 people showed up on the same, in the same yeah. area. Uh, it was a thing we were trading t-shirts and stuff from different college and stuff like that. It was really cool, but we had this worship together. We had multiple voices from all the different camps and whatnot uh, share 
and share what's been happening, what God's been doing, uh, some really cool moments from the week. We did have a speaker to kind of commission us out for whatever our main focus was that summer. Um, and I just remember thinking when I got to camp with a small group or the, the, the small um, group of uh, counselors that we had, I remember thinking, I've never experienced a family like this. And then I remember going to the large gathering and thinking, I did not know there were this many people trying to do the same thing. And it was impactful for me. And so I remembered then when I end up going back to my college and I'm sitting in my fraternity and I'm one of very few believers on campus, let alone in my fraternity, there might've been one or two more uh, believers. Uh, I just remember thinking in the times that were really hard or difficult, uh, that moment of gathering together and reminding myself that I am one of an army of people that are seeking to take the kingdom into their spheres of influence on their campuses where they are motivated me. And, uh, I wore, we were given dog tags, um, with some different scripture verses on it. And I remember wearing those every day. And, uh, anytime I would struggle, I remember hitting them just to remind me of, you know, I'm one of many keep going. And, uh, so it was kind of fortifying and rejuvenating. And what I hear you saying is, you know, the reason that we gather, there's something about gathering, um, in, in a, in a, amongst a, what does it say? A cloud of witnesses or believers or yeah, whatever it is. Great like, cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Hebrews. There, there's something about that large gathering that is still powerful. And from a mission standpoint, I know we talk about this with some of our leaders uh, within Common Ground Church. Um, you know, we, we can do a lot as a small group of people and sometimes as a small group uh, or a house church context of 12 to 15, we can be uh, intentional, agile, and nimble enough to really meet the needs within our community. That would be harder maybe in a larger body. But there's also power in gathering hundreds of people together towards one specific initiative that can be more impactful than what maybe 10 people could do. And so I do think there's a lot of levels to the benefit of gathering together, being commissioned together, uh, going together in a larger context as well. Yeah, I remember um, one of the things that Mike Breen says, they, they organize in missional communities, which he would say is, I think, 30 to 50 people. Um, and uh, the tagline they'll use is big enough to dare and small enough to care. And I, I, uh, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with the size that he's saying, although, <laughs> you know, he's, you know, that has his point. But I do think our, in a rhythm, you have house churches that are small enough to care, but then as a collective network um, uh, you know, of house churches, a, a collective church body that breaks down into those house churches together. We, there's things we just can't do, you know, financial <clears throat> service opportunities and financial things that we can give to as a collective. Uh, there's some things we're just, we're just better and we can hit harder in a community, a larger group together. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I'm glad we took some time to talk a little bit about, uh, our gatherings and maybe the purpose of those. Um, let's dive a little bit into then um, maybe more broadly the just the purpose of the church in general. So we talked about what church is. It's a people, it's a gathering. 
Uh, we talked about what church is not a little bit. We talked about the ways in which these people gather together and maybe why we do that. Um, but in all of these things, like what's, what's the why behind church? What, what's the purpose behind it? Um, how does God use his church? What would you say? Um, I mean, I would still point back to the original phrasing that we've used that, that the church, uh, there's lots of metaphors and, and Neil Cole, who we've talked about before, he, he, he's quick to point out that most of the metaphors for the church in the Bible are organic, right? It's a branch, uh, you know, or a vine. I mean, um, and there's others that are not, uh, the, the, um, you know, foundation and those things, the kingdom of heaven, uh, sometimes he'll use in that same way, kind of the people of God, um, and the church together. But, um, I mean, I would still say family on mission, a multiplying family on mission. I, I think that that's the best way to describe it. Uh, and, and what got me on, on that little tangent before I was thinking the bride of Christ, um, the, uh, there, there's certainly all kinds of, um, of ways in which we can describe and, 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 and I do think that's one of the things that the, that the Bible is trying to do is to give you a holistic picture using metaphors, as opposed to a, you know, just putting a Webster's dictionary style definition of it. Um, but we, uh, we certainly have this understanding of what the kingdom of heaven should look like. And it's embedded in the great commission and it is embedded in the, you can't, you can't remove it as we've talked about in the gospel story series that we did in our services. You can't remove that from, from the narrative gospel narrative, the drama of scripture playing out in its story form where it starts with creation and um, rebellion and specifically the promise, right? We were the, the, the most basic sense of, of who the church is and what we are, why we exist is Abraham being told that, that he would be made into a nation and they're going to be followers of Yahweh. And they have been blessed to be a blessing and a light unto the nations. And I think it's embedded into that. It's a, um, and even as you see, we didn't highlight this as much, but in the studies that I was doing, you start out with a couple, uh, Adam and Eve, and then there's a larger group, but eventually what you see is, um, I can't remember how Susan Richter used it in her book, Epic of Eden. Um, she talks about how they turn into a clan and then a tribe and then a city and then a nation. Uh, I might have that trail wrong, but you see it growing. What, what, you're, what you're watching is that God had intended to create us into a nation um, out of the two basic components of, of male and female in Adam and Eve. And, um, and so uh, in that, though, was always the call to be in relationship with God and not to sound like a broken record, but devotion to be in community and to love one another community and to be on mission, to be a blessing, uh, to be blessed, to be a blessing to all nations, a light into the nations. And then later on the new Testament says reconcile for reconciliation. So it's a, it's a force of gospel proclamation. It's a force of relationship with God. It's a force of, making this world a better place. The church is a force of 
loving one another and loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's a force of putting Jesus's life on display through our actions so that the world knows that there's an alternative, a, a, a kingdom order alternative to the disorder of the world's ways in which it should go. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you're looking for. I got a little worked up, uh, but that, I mean, that would be my answer to it. You may have been trying to go in a totally different direction, but no, that to good. me would be the, the why and the purpose of what the church is. And, and I love, um, we get our, we get our stint, right? We get, we get our generation. The, the Bible sweeps through multiple generations. We are one of, uh, like you said, are a great uh, cloud of witnesses from Hebrews. And that's talking about the breadth of believers on the earth today and throughout history and all time, all places and all time. Is, is what that cloud um, I think is referring to. And so uh, we get our time, our generation, our epic, our era to carry that mission, hand off that baton to the next generation in, in our day and see it, see it done faithfully. And how we handle that now echoes behind us, not to sound too like ominous, but echoes in eternity. But, but it, it does. I've heard the analogy of like, we pass the baton and, and stuff like that. But I, I really appreciate uh, the idea of the epic of Eden, the epic being this grand story that God's sharing yeah. and, and, and writing. And as he's writing these chapters, it's almost like each chapter is a new generation passed along, right? And so not just are we being passed the baton to do it what we can now, and then we'll pass it on again. And, you know, almost like we're just surviving in the moment. We're literally building upon the reconciling of all things. And so it's, it's another step, right? And so it, it makes you feel a part of something way bigger that is continuing on since Jesus rose again, which is crazy to think about mm -hmm. really like we're attached mm -hmm. to that. Right. And I love how, um, I think it's in the gospel of John where it shows a, a prayer that Jesus prays over his disciples and apostles that he's mm -hmm. going to be sending out and everyone who follows behind them that believes. And I'm going, Holy cow, yeah. Jesus prayed for us here and now. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I think it's John 14. There was something powerful, the great priestly prayer behind that. And so, um, one thing I heard you talking about, um, is in the way you were talking about, I love the, the, the word you use of being a force. It's almost a, like there, there is a transformation that happens uh, within the church, whether personally there's like this constant transformation of sanctification that happens in you. Um, there's part of that is the transformation of how we understood relationship with one another and growing in harmony together. And then even the transformation of the community and the world around us, right. Being a part of that reconciling all things. And so there's like mm -hmm. a, a kind of a, a rolling piece of that, that I feel in some of the ways in which you're talking about. And, and I want to make that point because the purpose of the church, I think sometimes is um, not fully understood uh, from maybe the way we grew up, because, you know, when I think of church, oftentimes what I hear people say is what they want is a, a group to belong to, which is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Community that gets them, which is not a bad thing. But really kind of the main motivation is they want, they want relationships and community. But it doesn't go much further than that where, well, 
we grow in faith. Yeah, that's good. Uh, there's a couple of things that like, yeah, I can be a better person, maybe some morals and values. That's good. But it's, it's more centered on, it seems more centered on either um, individual morality or it be, it's centered on just being in a community that makes you comfortable. And what you're talking mm -hmm. about is not that at all. No, I, I would, to, you know, making sure that the language stays consistent, you can, when the church just geeks out or overemphasizes one of the three aspects that we've talked about, um, it becomes unhealthy. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I can't remember, I've heard this before. This is not my original um, thing, but you know, if we only did devotion, we become monks and I'm not, the, monks are awesome. Uh, the, some of our greatest thoughts, you know, I love brother Lawrence. I love the tradition of the desert mothers and fathers. Um, we've gotten some great thoughts, but uh, I don't know how much worldly good they are to, to someone. If they, if, if you hole up in a monastery, if you're just community, right. Then um, you know, you're caring for people um, but you, but you have not connected them to the ultimate belonging in, in Christ Jesus. If you're on mission, you can be, um, doing all of the good things in the world and making this world a better place. Um, and, and again, you, you could find reasons why what's, you could say, what's wrong with any of those things, nothing, but it's just not church. You know, it's, it's not, it is not what God's, um, intended purpose for us was to be. Uh, I've even heard other variations. If you can, you know, combine devotion and community, actually that would probably be a monastery devotion and community. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, and we've seen the other, we we've got plenty of bad examples of, of what evangelicalism has, has, you know, gone through some rhythms of unhealthiness. You combine devotion with um, mission and uh, without community, without a caring or shepherding impulse. And you have these people who, um, probably the best example would be the brother Jeds, right? The, the people on the campuses, they don't care about shepherding anyone. They're just screaming out proclamations. And some of those things might be very true. Um, I don't know how effective it is. Uh, it was, it didn't seem to be effective when I, you know, was on campuses and saw them, um, you know, but any variation where you start to combine one or two of those things together, uh, focus on one or combine two together without all three counterbalancing and creating a rhythm of, gospel wholeness, um, you can quickly get into a place where the church is not just unhealthy, but harmful to the community around it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to bring up a, uh, a quote by N.T. Wright. Do it. It says this, um, it's, this is from Simply Christian. It says the church exists, in other words, for what we sometimes call mission to announce the world that Jesus is its Lord. This is the good news. And when it's announced, it transforms people and societies. Mission in its widest, as well as its more focused senses, is what the church is there for. God intends to put the world to rights. He has dramatically launched his project through Jesus. Those who belong to Jesus are called here and now in the power of the spirit to be agents of that putting to rights purpose. The word mission comes from the Latin for send. As the Father sent me, said Jesus after his resurrection, so I am sending you. 
This purpose is clearly stated in various places in the New Testament, that through the church, God will announce the white, to the wider world that he is indeed its wise, loving, and just creator, that through Jesus, he has defeated the powers that corrupt and enslave it, and that by his spirit, he is at work to heal and renew it. And I will add, he's inviting us to be a part of that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we have a couple more minutes here uh, as we wrap up, but um, oh man, one question I really want to get to, I don't think we have time to, we're going to have to save this for the next podcast. Yeah, but, I was going to say, I don't know that we have time to get into any more topics. <laughs> well, maybe this will be a little teaser then. Um, when it comes to the purpose of the church, I would love to unpack a little bit more um, what we would consider a past, some of the giftings that some of the... Yeah the ways in which, um, you know, not just people are called. And I know you kind of have a, a thing about that term calling, but um, what it means to be the priesthood of all believers, um, what it means to minister to one another. Um, and then, you know, how, how do those maybe giftings work itself out in, in what this great commission really is for the purpose of the church. So we don't have yeah, time to... no, I, that's a good one. Yeah. I think if we wait, let's wait till the next uh, session. Cause um, that will definitely go into a little bit more. And and lots of people have asked me about APES cause we've, we've done a couple of little quick spots on it, but um, s- people tend to want to know a little bit more about what, what that even means from Ephesians 411, the fivefold ministry. So, yeah. So if you're one of those cool. people and you want to learn about it, you got to tune into our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for tuning in for this episode and we'll catch you on the yeah. next one. Yep. Have a good one. We appreciate you stopping by and spending some time with us today. Make sure to check out the previous episodes on Hub Podcast. If you're interested in information on Common Ground Northeast, check out cgnortheast.com. We'll catch you next time.